Hello! And welcome to the first episode of First Issue Club Podcast, the podcast where we discuss all of the hyped number one comic books that come out weekly. If you are a person that wants to jump in and start reading some comic books, this is the podcast for you. And if you are a person that shops at your local comic book shop weekly and grabs all of those number ones and you want a reading club, we're also that podcast for you. What if you want to talk to us, Greg? What do they do? Well, they'll go on the internet. They'll type twitter.com into their internet search thing. Whichever you like to use, Bing, Google, doesn't matter. But go to Twitter, look up First Issue Club, and you'll find us. Oh, yeah. First Issue Club is a bunch of rowdy comic book nerds, and we'll get to introducing who we are. But why are we talking about number ones? What's iconic about a number one? Why is this a podcast about number ones weekly, guys? Uh, it's the first one. It's the most coveted. A lot of people introduced. Yeah, that's a big thing for me is that the first appearances. Those are the books that are, one, worth the most moolah. Oh, yeah. Cha-ching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the, it's the point of origin. Yeah, totally. Comic books is sometimes a lonely experience. Uh, sometimes I feel like me buying comic books is like I'm paying the tax man, going to my <laughs> weekly store, exchanging money for books I may or may not ever read based on speculation because I'm a fan, and I would want that experience to be more community-based. And that's why we have this podcast. Is comic book collecting and reading for you guys ever lonely? Um, A little, yeah. I mean, even when you go into the store to buy them, people really don't talk to one another. Nope. It's kind of like you're at the supermarket. Like, don't really make eye t- contact. Just pick up the books that you want and get out. Yeah. I, I constantly have people say to me, I'd love to get into comic books. I just don't know how. I don't know where to start. What would you recommend? And that's really the job of a comic book store to do that. But that's kind of losing its edge with just as many books are coming out weekly. So that's why we're here, which is also crazy that there is that many number ones that we can have a weekly podcast just talking about number ones. Right. Yep. In a dying industry. Yes. In a dying industry. Apparently. Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, there's enough number ones to facilitate this podcast. Who are all of these lovely people talking on the mic? Let's go around and introduce everybody. Uh, okay. Hi. Uh, my name is Greg Lichtai. I've been collecting comic books for a long time, since I was in high school. Um, I have way too many. I've gotten rid of many, but I still keep getting more. <laughs> I am an addict, I guess, is really what it is. It's, this is really turning. I am just <laughs> kind of realizing a lot of things about myself. Getting a full uh, I, Oh, man, I am an addict. I basically just did jobs <laughs> to make sure I can oh, get no. comics. Hey, at least you're admitting it. I think that's the first step. That's the first step. step. Ouch. Yeah. I need to think about some things. <laughs> but yeah, that's me. I'm a comic addict, and I am proud of that. <laughs> I am Caitlin Morosik. I am a newer comics reader and lover. I work at a local Kansas City nonprofit, and I'm also a musician, counselor, and a level nine hermit monk. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm Michael DeStacy. i uh, been a comic book fan since I was a little kid. Big into Spider-Man, Marvels, all those books. Um, just like Greg, uh, you know, comic books is an expensive habit. So uh, once I stopped getting that allowance, I kind of dropped off comic books for a while. So when I came back into it maybe six, seven years ago as an adult, um, I kind of rediscovered some of my old favorite issues and characters and probably more so got into the independent comic scene and some of those more alternative, edgier comics 
um, as compared to those mainstays. Uh, and by day, I am a graphic designer. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. There brag, we go. brag about it. <laughs> uh, I'm Mike the Milkman Russo. And uh, I got into comics uh, when I was a young kid. My parents were divorced, and I had to spend a lot of time alone in New Jersey with no friends. So comic books were the only thing consoling me <laughs> at night. Uh, and then uh, I kept that habit up a little bit and then rekindled it once I got my own income out of, out of college back again. And um, I think like Mike, I have, we, I have a predilection for independent comics, huge image fan. So uh, that brings us into the meat of this podcast. Uh, let's go ahead and start some reviews. We got some really exciting books to talk about today. I'm really pumped about what we're going to be talking about. Uh, so let's do that. Let's get this podcast started. There it is. <laughs> So I am going to be talking about The Realm. It is an image comic written by Seth Peck and uh, Jeremy Hahn. The cover is this kind of badass fighter guy. One of the covers. There's a variant done by Tony Moore, I believe. Um, but the, the non-variant is a badass fighter guy in a leather jacket. He is dual wielding a gun and a longsword. Uh, the backdrop is this apocalyptic scene that has these giant hovering alien structures um, but he's, like, standing on this mound of, like, rubble and flowers. <laughs> it's just kind of an interesting contrast. <laughs> it starts with the dude from the cover and a woman on a horse. They're traveling undercover from very loud and presumably dangerous elements. It's very, I mean, the feel is immediately post-apocalyptic, but yet it's still, you find that it's there's still enough people and infrastructure to have this king that you are soon introduced to when they the travelers arrive. Um, there will be a few spoilers because we are reading this to kind of give people an idea if you would want to continue the series. So, uh, just getting more into that. The king swiftly meets his end and the story takes a bit of a turn. You realize he was not really a great dude. He was trading some expired antibiotics for feminine companions. Mm. So, um. And who hasn't done that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's not judge here. So it has this book has several storylines, quite an array of characters. Two um, two are merged. Two storylines are merged in this first issue. But uh, one being the the character you're first introduced to, Will Nolan. He's like a gun for hire type, and Miss Molly. They are she's traveling to get to Kansas City of all places with her team of a couple soldiers and a couple scientists. Another thing about this book is it's very heavy Kansas City. It's got a lot of good um, local references, and um, including Me Like Bees. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. And, and maybe this is a good time. We didn't even talk about this, but we are we happen to be broadcasting out of Kansas City. Yes. Uh, big Kansas City, Missouri fans. Yeah. And this, and this book, uh, as Caitlin mentioned, has a, a theme song to it, I think, at the end by yeah, this soundtrack. band. Yeah, soundtrack to it. And I think they're going to create, this band Me Like Bees is going to create a soundtrack to each comic, or at least four or five of them, uh, which is crazy because that's a pretty popular band in these parts. And Jeremy Hahn is also from here. Is that right? Or around here? I see him at cons all the time. Well, he's got to be from around here. Yeah. And uh, I think they met in Joplin together. So here here being relative. So yeah, in addition to um, just a lot of local good stuff in the book, it's... um, So I mentioned like an array of characters. It's kind of all over the place. It's 
a bit hard to follow, but easier if you read with the lens that this is just all intro. It's not even a lot of setup. It's just understanding that there are a lot of people with roles to play to come. So just a couple of other roles. There's this guy procuring jobs and someone masked who does recon known as Rook, and they're involved with the Will Nolan guy. There's a guy who straight up looks like the crow. He's like making human sacrifices to to serve an otherworldly entity. There is a bearded guy who is just slaying orcs and goblins while singing Steely Dan. And then at the end, when you're like, how much more does this need? You see the uh, the first guy again, Will Nolan, staring at an old photo of a group of soldiers before he's kind of overcome with this pain and sort of like a metamorphosis into a demon. I'm not really sure. <laughs> so there is a ton going on. Um, I... I liked the artwork, too. It wasn't super clean or polished or very impressive, but it kind of fit the rougher parts of the narrative. It worries me because there's a lot of elements of fantasy, and I don't feel like you want very rough artwork when you're dealing with stuff that needs to be very visually impressive. But overall, I liked it. I would probably continue reading. And I think that uh, Jeremy Hahn, he also does this book called Beauty. Is it The Beauty or Beauty? The Beauty. The Beauty. And a lot of this artwork in there remind me of what happened. That book is, I, I like that book a lot. I'm a huge fan of that book. Yeah, it was a awesome. great first issue for sure. Right. Um, and so I think he kind of carries over a little bit of that style in, in this book. Uh, Caitlin, I love that you said this beard guy uh, singing Steely Dan. Yeah. <laughs> his weapon is awesome. Yeah. It's and his a, mask, like it's like Viking. It's like a ram or I don't know. Yeah. He's yeah. collecting trophies from the goblins yes. that he's he's talking to. This book... If you keep on listening to the podcast, you'll know that I, I'm a huge fan of post-apocalyptic. So it, it had me at the first panel of uh, people. It was obviously post-apocalyptic. Then it was Kansas City. Then it was self-aware goblins that know they're yeah. being killed. <laughs> I love this book. It yeah, hit it all of great. your check marks. Yeah, self-aware goblins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but still, still a lot of fun questions, I guess, to be answered yeah. in the next few issues here. There's, they posed a lot of things. Just this cover alone. Um, shows you a handful of things that you're like, what's the deal with that? Yeah. <laughs> they, they've said this is like post-information age in the comic, I think. Yes, yeah. Um, so we know that there's no cell phone towers. People are very just like renegade running around just trying to survive, I think. Yeah. I Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that the first job that he does, he gets paid in toothbrushes. Or did he just bring toothbrushes back to like his... His gun for hire institution. I I thought that he just was bringing them back. Okay. Or that he grabbed them from like the, when he came back. So he was like a bit on the road and he had to clean these teeth. Dental hygiene (laughs) is very important in a uh, (laughs) post-apocalyptic world. That would be interesting if he was getting paid in toothbrushes. In toothbrushes, yeah. (laughs) Low paying job. There may be orcs, but I'll be damned if I have gingivitis. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, oh, that's yeah. a good point, though. That's not something I considered. So I thought that he just picked those up on yeah. the road and brought them back just for his camp to have okay. some resources. But what's the point in cash or gold if you're living in a that's society true. like that? So could have been. All right, so our next book of the day is going to be num- uh, Runaways, number one, published by Marvel Comics, written by Rainbow Rowell, and illustrated by Chris Anka. So if you're a big Marvel fan, uh, you already know this isn't a new book. Rather, kind of a new jumping on point under a new creative team. I think it's safe to assume that the timing of this number one was very strategic from Marvel uh, because Hulu has a runaway show scheduled to start in November 2017. And at the time of this recording, that's like 
two months away. Yep. So trying to get people a little stoked for the show coming out and trying to sell some comics because yeah, people remind expect people to be stoked for the are. show, right? Yeah. Um, so every channel has a Marvel show now, I think. <laughs> Seems about. I'm yeah. waiting for TBS's Marvel show. You get show. a Marvel show. <laughs> you get a Marvel <laughs> show. Stan Stan Lee's just handing them out like Oprah. <laughs> Probably a safe bet, I think, that the show follows the original run of comics. So if you don't want any of the show spoiled for you, you might want to skip this book, I think. Um, yeah. This issue leans kind of heavily on the one major repercussion of the original story, um, which was released in 2003, written by Brian K. Vaughn. So um, if you don't know him, he's an Eisner Award hoarding writer slash creator. Uh, that's Eisner Awards are kind of like the big comic book. Uh, yeah, are they like the Oscars of It's like the Oscars comic yeah. of oh, comics, yeah. like right? He's a big fucking deal. Yeah. Yeah, Brian they arguably yeah, like one of the biggest at the point. Yeah, this one. R- written probably some of the most successful modern comics yeah. of the you know, last few years. So um, Saga, Why the Last Man, Ex Machina, probably the three biggest ones. Yeah. Um, so to give you a short and sweet synopsis of what Runaways is before we get into this new series, um, it's about a group of teens who find their parents collectively make up a crime organization uh, called the Pride, and they're all super-powered villains. So after the revelation of finding out their parents are jerks, uh, they run away from home, all of our teen heroes. That's thus the, the name. name, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but they return later to defend their city and defeat their parents, and they're using the very same powers that they've inherited from their evil mommies and daddies. Sunrise, uh, sunset. Exactly. <laughs> Taking the throne. <laughs> so past that initial story arc, um, a handful of things have happened. I think there's been maybe three or four different volumes in between the first story arc and this most recent one. Um, the group has kind of just existed as a dysfunctional family made up of friends born out of the shared experience. We've the had, boxcar children. Yeah, right. So we, we've had characters come <laughs> and leave along the way. I think they, they bring in new characters to kind of keep it young. This was a initiative I think Marvel had to kind of try to capitalize, part of an initiative Marvel had, to try to capitalize on younger people um, being really into anime and Japanese cartoons, things like that, Mm -hmm. in the early 2000s. um, They did a subsect publishing company called Tsunami. Yep, I think Tsunami is what it was called, and it was like, looked like a manga. Right. It was like printed like like, a Oh, yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was like the... It comic, I think, out of all of those books that came out. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah. and I think this book got a little more popular in trade after its original run because it was a kind of a short series. It ended at like 18 issues, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But p- important to mention if you're not a huge comic book fan, a trade is yes. a collection of a, a handful of issues that kind of make up a mini story arc. So you might get four to five issues. In what's called a trade paperback. Trade paperback. TBH. Right. Nope. TBH. <laughs> nope. Can't no take PC. it back. God <laughs> damn it. <laughs> yep. Can't take it back. I'm also the rube of the group. TBH. To be honest, that is not really trade paperback. No. All right. Uh, yeah. So let's just get into this uh, first issue we read. Um, all right. So Runaways number one starts out with Nico Minoru, who is an original member of the Runaways. So she's left the group 
and is trying to kind of live her own life from away from the team. We find her kind of lonely in her own apartment when the book opens. She's reminiscing over pictures, things like that, when all of a sudden, a time-traveling member of the Runaways named Chase materializes in the room. And he kind of introduces this issue's major plot point or problem as he is holding his dying ex-girlfriend who had originally died way back in the last issue of the original series. So I saw online that Marvel.com has this character's death listed as its sixth greatest death scene in a Marvel comic book. Oh, oh my gosh. So I'd imagine if you're a big fan of this series, you're probably either super pissed <laughs> that they brought her back, right. or you're super stoked about this. It's a, it's a big thing for Runaways fans. Um, so after some like brief arguing between the two, Nico's kind of swayed into using her powers to save their old friend through a very zany series of events that all take place within her apartment, right? And uh, the the once runaway dead girlfriend Gertrude is saved by the end of this issue, and it's all seen through the window by a cat with glowing eyes. Mm. So so I think the next next page (laughs) kind of gives you the idea that there's this uh, evil character who's kind of using cats, cats as a sort of drone spy device Isn't that like in the city. gadget, like oh the cat God. in the chair? Also Sabrina the Teenage Witch. It did, <laughs> true. It did look very Inspector Gadget. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. It's this person. Crossover! Yeah, it's this person like sitting in a chair, like stroking this cat with glowing eyes. And obviously has like a monitor in front of them yeah. where they're watching like, Every, all everything that just info- unfolded in the issue mm-hmm. through these like robot cat yeah. eyes, very weird. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if that's a runaways character that people are like, "Ooh, that bad guy's back," but I'm I have no clue who that person is. I don't either. Yeah, um, I'm not. Yeah, it, is she okay? At some point, by the way, I want to mention Nico's powers. Oh, the that, way that she does her powers are are freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask you guys, so I kind of breezed over the uh superpowers, but what do you think of the superpowers that were on display here? I can I can explain kind of what the We only got 3 of them, you know, <laughs> right? We're actually not I mean, you didn't mention it, but the, we're missing a couple Runaways characters that I assume will appear later on in, in, oh, yeah, in the series. Oh, yeah, we're kind of getting a soft introduction into Runaways by yeah. kind of giving you a, a, just a couple characters to swallow at a time. So, um one of the other questions I had down for you guys was if you thought this was a um, easily accessible comic, having not been um, necessarily big Runaways fans prior to reading this. Yeah. Well, let me tackle the what do we think of the powers first. Sure. So Nico's powers are that she's a magician that essentially doesn't know how to wield her magician Ness her magic that's the word magician Ness <laughs> word for magician Ness magic TBH <laughs> uh, and that she has to make up a new spell every time she does something or else it like backfires which is I think freaking awesome so the in the name she's got this yeah the magical staff that's called the staff of one yeah yeah oh she like pulls it out of her chest it like materializes out of her chest which I think made an appearance in Doctor Strange did it yeah it the movie does. the movie Doctor oh, Strange the, Glass uh, I or... think one of the, um, uh, are they, we call them monks, or like the fo- the followers of the Ancient One. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, coming to aid Doctor Strange, one of them had... Uh, Tilda Swinton's buddies. Yes. Yes. Her posse. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> had the staff. Uh, so literally, I would say 60% of the book is her trying to think up spells that she has not used to save a dying friend. Right, yeah. And so one super fun thing about that was uh, if she tries to use a spell that she's used before, the staff reacts in a negative way. And it, you know, makes the room rain inside of her apartment. It expels, like, frogs at one point. Um, So, pretty interesting. I could see that being something people hate or love, but I thought that was a really interesting take on a kind of superpower. If that was my superpower, I would be very bummed. Because my memory is not that great to begin with, so I would just be making it rain in my apartment (laughs) all the time. She does do it twice, where it's like, oh, nope, already used that one. Yeah. She said, like, her superpower really is improvising because of right. the staff. <laughs> like, that's... Give me a location. Give me a location. <laughs> and, I, and I think it's kind of got to kind of be a frustrating device for writers, right? From a continuity standpoint. Yeah, they have oh, to probably yeah. have, like, a notebook. I, yeah, I was literally thinking she needs a Google spreadsheet with her all <laughs> the time. Yeah. Because, yeah. if you know, in, in this situation, there's an emergency with a dying person. Right. How Luckil- off- luckily, how off- it just rains. What if it, like, shot a blade in her eyeball right yeah what spell is that but <laughs> you can you can only uh you know use like come back to life so many times yeah uh, revivify so she's using really odd out of the box ways yeah, like to... someone suggests can you just do fix and she's like like i have not tried fix right a million <laughs> yeah. times. one of the first Why? things you just spent yeah so, so she really needs a thesaurus next to her mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah yeah yeah. Basically. The rules of her magic, yeah, are dictated through but, linguistics. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the idea, too, of kind of like weighing uh, a tragedy against possible other tragedies later. Like, do I want to save this person and no longer have this in my repertoire of mm-hmm. spells I can cast? Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, honestly, we don't really get Chase's and Gertrude's powers. We... It, I we know that Chase can do something with time travel. Yep. I think because he's I think he stole his parents' gloves. I think is something. Like he's that. got like time traveling gauntlets that okay. he wears. Yeah. And then there's a, there is a dinosaur, and I I forgot who the dinosaur yeah. is mind bonded to. Oh yeah. yeah. So the, yeah. There's a there's a dinosaur on the cover. Which if you read this book, not knowing anything about runaways, you're gonna be like, why was there a raptor <laughs> yeah. on yeah. the cover of this, this book? Thing. Yeah. That, uh, has, that has the septum so, pierced. So the yes, <laughs> it's a hipster Edgy. raptor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does. So the other runaway that got introduced was Gertrude, the ex-girlfriend, um, and she's got a psychic link with the dinosaur. With the dinosaur. Okay, it's right. not Chase's dinosaur. Right. Okay. Oh, so the dead girl has the link to the raptor? Or is she dead? Not but, anymore. But Oh, yeah, sorry. And I just said that, Greg. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, your head, turn memory. his headphones up. <laughs> no, turn them off. I'm done. <laughs> and we lost our first member. <laughs> <laughs> or Not did you? Yeah, this is actually an application for our first podcast. <laughs> <laughs> for our third book, we have the first issue of Retcon, put out by Image written by Matt Nixon uh, and illustrated by Toby Cypress. Retcon stands for Retroactive Continuity. And in Retcon, we begin this story at an AA meeting where somebody is uh, essentially kind of losing their mind and saying, I was part of this crazy military operation. Look at this picture here. I did some crazy shit and I'm losing my mind. PTSD. I'm an alcoholic. 
unbeknownst to him, there are some plants in there that if he were to go haywire like this, um, AWOL, that's the word I'm looking for, they're going to put him down. So the fight ensues, and, and that's how we find out that there is this legion of this cabal of magic warriors who have been put to use by the government. We thought they were going into Iraq for WMDs. Uh, turns out they weren't. They were killing giant genies. Uh, and so they now have the repercussions. There's this league of all of this stuff, and people are either defecting or not defecting. I wrote a quote down because I love this quote. The alcoholic who uh, is, is defecting and, and kind of telling his PTSD story, who is a werebear, uh, he says, I recognized them magic words on you. You have to protect her that gave them to you, same as protected us. <laughs> and I think that in some ways that uh, kind of sums up their story. There's a lot of magic going on. Um, there's a lot of different like histories and allegiances and who's screwing over who. Um, lots of defecting. And th that's what this book is going to be. It's going to be a kind of Highlander-esque uh, book about these magic warriors, who I think were called Black Knights, coming to kind of go and kill the defected ones um, based on their like series of, of what they have done and, and, and haven't done. In the last panel, we get this reveal of this, uh, this lady who also has those magical markings on her who's going to go hunt down some of these defected people. Um, in, in that book. I liked, I actually loved this book. But, in, but, a, but a thing that I really liked about this book is I am a huge sucker for context. Uh, for instance, in middle school when I found out that Marilyn Manson could perform self-fellatio, that's what got me in to Marilyn Manson. <laughs> and also self-fellatio. Yes. <laughs> I stand here today a goth self-fellatiator. Uh, and in the end of this book, they say, retro active continuity um, is based on this idea that there was like this uh, these other books that got them to where they are and we're jumping into this series that existed even though they didn't write this like other series and that to me uh really fixed what is my criticism of this book is that i constantly had to be turning back to seeing like who is what character what are they talking about who is lieutenant ross versus brand versus brandon um all of these different people and it's because they're really picking up like I don't know, 60 issues into where this story is. So this universe is, is pretty huge. Um, and it, I, I then, knowing that, liked that. I, I was okay with that. I thought the book was so intriguing. Um, I'm really interested to see where it goes from here or if it pays off. Um, yeah. I think a lot of times we say things like, oh, I, I like this artwork or this artwork is good or things like that. And I think in this specific book... Uh, Toby Cypress, if I was drafting him for a, like, illustrator comic book uh, thing, I would now draft him. He killed it in this book. He has this, yeah. like, DIY loose style. The coloring is crazy. It's, like, almost like, it's it's like a quantified or it's categorized basically, like, on as, as things move. It has these, like, different colors that are going through it. It, it blew my mind. I, I loved it. If it's you so are on vivid. any kind of drug... Yeah, you're gonna love this artwork. This, if any other illustrator tried to do this book, I think it would fall flat. But I mean, this is just like rock and roll right oh, yeah. here. Like blood, guts, teeth, punching, melting. Like the way he illustrates it is just like incredible. Well, and the highlights too. Like spheres are targeting certain pieces of panels that he really wants people to pay attention to, and kind of 
outlining things, but leaving them in black and white in the context of other things in color, just very stylized. Yeah, he knows where to draw your eye. It's um, in the in the panel in the back of the comic, they talk to the letterer too. Did you guys read that? Yeah, and I I loved his impression of it that it was kind of a um, challenge for him to step his game up because the art in this was so loose and emotional uh, that you know he's got to kind of try to bring the the text to a level that suits the artwork and what that means from being distracting or uh, very complimentary of the artwork. Right. I, I love yeah. I loved his impression on uh, what it meant to letter this book. This this book to me is a good example of why I like independent comics because this is it's a work of art. It is it is a little bit sometimes it, it reaches the high art, but it's also just a, a good interesting story. Um, super. It was I think it was the underdog this week maybe overshadowed a little bit by realm and image, mm-hmm. um, but definitely my my winner. I expected this to be my least favorite book just based on covers and hype of the other books uh and i i think it was my favorite out of the i think the three we read i think it should be stated that us as a group we definitely judge books by their covers (laughs) yeah (laughs) very literal yeah Yeah. very vain (laughs) also genie hunting sounds like a pretty dope job yeah genie hunter unless it's uh yeah but what aladdin genie yeah what if the genies are good Wish killing. Hey, just part of yeah, the just part on, of the, just part of the job. Stomping out <laughs> wishes. Yeah. Take it up with my manager. <laughs> yeah. I'm just doing dream my job, killer. ma'am. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. The make a dream not happen foundation. <laughs> Is it kind of like you know, like a like pest control? Just like I have a genie in my attic that <laughs> just like yeah. there's <laughs> droppings yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Wishing for more wishes constantly. <laughs> yeah. Bringing so th- people back from the dead. Are they just genie Ooh. hunters? Or are they like I think they're all like a bunch of supernatural stuff, right? Yeah. They're like it's su- not just they're, genie. Hunters. They're like supernatural police. Mm-hmm. They're like the Men in Black, except Ooh. for would they, and that. I actually, I'm glad you made that point. This this book would have been aided by having that stick that erases people's memory because they wouldn't have had to murder fifty people yes. and blow up a building in in lieu of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. neuralize some some people. Yeah. But don't you know, murder sells books. That's true, <laughs> and it sold me. That is <laughs> retcon on Image. And now we have the weekly wrap-up with books that we may have missed. Uh, We have Wolfenstein, which is from Titan Books. Um, This is a prequel to the video game. Follows the video game uh, timeline, which is an alternate reality where the fascists won the war war in World War II. Um, And it follows the renegade American fighters trying to take back the control from the fascists and their robot dogs and advanced machines. So now we have uh, Sheena, Queen of the Jungle, from Dynamite. Um, it follows uh, Sheena, the Jungle Queen. Uh, m- mercenaries enter the jungle looking for a surveyor that has gone missing. Uh, they come in conflict with Sheena and her tribe, um, and uh, hilarity does not ensue. In fact, they uh, threaten Sheena and her tribe that they need to find the surveyor or they will come back and kill the entire tribe and everything in the jungle. Next is Sync by Comics Tribe. This is a horror book by John Liss and Alex Cormack. It is a it is a melding of, I would say, The Warriors and The Purge, if you've ever seen those movies. Um, gentleman misses his bus in Scotland, decides to walk home, and encounters roving bands of murderers and miscreants. Next up, we have Slam, The Next Jam, which follows uh, the hit comic Slam. It's basically season two. Uh, it follows Can Can and Knockout from the original Slam comic. Uh, it is a sequel, not a standalone, so you'll probably have to read 
uh, the original Slam comic to kind of understand the dynamic and what's going on with this. And comic. that's like a roller derby book, right? Yes, this is a female roller derby book um, following two girls, Can Can and Knockout, who were on rival teams. Um, and I'm not going to spoil the rest of it. Um, so you can go out and read Slam and then follow, and then you can read Slam the next jam. Uh, all right. That wraps it up for the first episode of First Issue Club. First Issue Club is a part of Fountain City Frequencies, and First Issue Club is also recorded in KCUR Studios. That's all we have for you today, and we're going to all sign off with our own closing statement. Mine is, see ya! <laughs> Real original. Yeah. <laughs> Can we just make that collectively our slogan? With my copyrighted (laughs) phrase, see ya. (laughs) He's got it tattooed across his chest. Oh, man. (laughs) It's me, the see ya guy. (laughs) Really went all in with that catchphrase. The milkman comes back again. (laughs) The milkman cometh. (laughs) See ya. What's your guys' uh, sign-off phrase? (laughs) Well, you took mine. Sayonara, baby. Ooh. No, I don't have one. There you go. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Um, signing off. <laughs> B- signing off for now. <laughs> see ya. Signing off, but. Hey, see is taken. End <laughs> it. Turn this off. Yeah. <laughs>